when we survey our members, we get a ton of feedback about how it's helped them with different skill growth, the ability to be more known nationally, to be recognized within their own institutions. They've taken on different leadership roles. 98% of the people that we approached were not only willing to support it, but were enthusiastic about it. But I think the next step is not teaching or mentoring, coaching women through the system, but the system has to change. someone who aspires to develop your leadership skills and take on leadership roles? Or are you someone who wants to be involved with mentoring and coaching women in anesthesia and changing the system? Thank you for listening to the Australian Anesthesia Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Susie New from the Australian Society of Anesthetists. I'm going to take it as a given that in general, women, transgender, non-binary people face more challenges and biases in terms of career progression in medicine and in anesthesia. This leads to gender differences in terms of leadership roles, non-promotable tasks and a gender pay gap. And this is why the Women's Empowerment and Leadership Initiative, otherwise known as WELLI, was developed. So today I'm honoured to be joined by Professor Nina Deutsch and Associate Professor Larry Schwartz, who are two of the founders of WELLI and who very generously gave up their time very early in the morning to record this podcast with me. I'm also excited to let you know that you too, no matter what your gender, can be involved in Welly here in Australia and New Zealand. I'll share some more details with you at the end of the podcast. So for now, let's get into finding out more about Welly. It's great to see you. Thank you for joining me this morning in our respective time zones. This is fantastic to be able to catch up. I thought I'd just try and get a little bit of background to start with. So maybe Nina, I'll start with you. So yeah, my name is Nina Deutsch. I am a pediatric anesthesiologist now in Boston. I just moved to Boston Children's from Children's National in Washington, D.C. about a week ago. And I was the president of the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia from 2020 to 2022, and now I'm the immediate past president, and I'm one of the people that helped to start Welly, which is the Women's Empowerment and Leadership Initiative. Excellent. Great. And congratulations on your move. Thanks. And also congratulations on making it through the presidency during I was president at a similar time, and it was a challenging time to be president of a medical organization. Yeah, I called myself the virtual president because it was right <laughs> smack in the middle of COVID and not that, I don't know, excitement, un- unwanted excitement, let's say that. Yes, exactly. You have plans for what you might achieve during the presidency and then there's actually what happens. And so, Larry, where are you calling from? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Larry Schwartz. I'm calling from Denver, Colorado. My background is also pediatric anesthesia. I also have a background in pediatric critical care and I've spent most of my clinical practice taking care of kids with congenital heart disease. I too have made a change in career. I, about four months ago, left academic medicine and joined the private practice out here in Denver, which uh-huh. is a whole new experience, very different. 
<laughs> That's so different, but it, it is different. I also served on the board of Society for Pediatric Anesthesia, which is where I became involved with, with Welly. I'm glad you make that point, Larry, actually. I know it's just a little segue, but we offer a lot of educational resources for people who are just transitioning from their training into specialist practice. And a lot of that is focusing on how to set up your private practice and what it's like to suddenly self business owner and things like that. And I, I think that's a transition that doesn't always have to happen just after you finish your training. It's people are transitioning into that at any stage of their career. And it is, it's another transition. It's another phase to go through and things to be learned. But we're here talking this morning about Welly, which stands for Women's Empowerment Leadership Initiative. Maybe before I ask you how you came to be involved, let's maybe look at what is Welly. So maybe back to you, Nina, seeing as you were one of the founders of it. Sure. Welly as you said, is the Women's Empowerment and Leadership Initiative. And in 2018, a colleague of ours named Jennifer Lee reached out and she she actually reached out to a colleague of hers at Johns Hopkins and said, there's major issues in women becoming leaders in pediatric anesthesia. In anesthesia in general, in medicine in general, there's obviously a huge gender gap. And she said, I think we should try to do something about it. So she and Jamie then reached out to me and said, we were thinking about doing something through the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia. They weren't exactly sure what it would look like, but that they were really the ones that started the conversation. And from there, the three of us started to talk about what exactly this would look like. And what we realized is that a lot of women are extremely capable, extremely motivated, but they don't always necessarily have all the resources that they need to become leaders. So we decided that we would start a mentoring program. And so that's where it started. And then it really from there grew to be what we now call Welly, because we realized that mentoring was definitely important, but there were all different aspects of mentoring that were needed, plus other resources. And so from there, we grew the program. And what about you, Larry? When did you come to get involved? I, I spent most of my academic career developing education programming and, and mentorship programming for the different places where I was. And I uh, was sitting in SPA board meeting next to Jenny Lee, and she wrote on a piece of paper, I will see you at the next Welly meeting. <laughs> and <laughs> so it wasn't so thoughtful, my entry, and, and that was it. I worked with Nina, J- Jenny, and Jamie all back at the beginning of our careers at Hopkins, so I knew them well. And yeah, there wasn't much, much to say except, okay, let me know when. Great. And so Nina, you said it's grown from just more than a mentoring program. So what are some of the other elements in it now? Well, first we realized that um, mentoring was definitely important, but we also needed to address the issues around women needed academic mentors, but they also needed coaching, which is a different entity. Uh, They needed somebody that would talk to them about their broader career, not just the academic side of things. We also realized that they needed sponsors. And so we went from a strictly mentoring idea to developing what we called an advisor. And an advisor really, we hope, fulfills all these different roles. And we pair an advisor and then what we call the protege, which is the 
woman that is working towards their goals within their careers. And every woman is going to have a different goal. So we don't say we want you to succeed academically per se, but we want you to succeed in your career and and whatever that looks like to be a local leader, a national leader, again, whatever that looks like for each individual. So we do this advising program where we pair advisor and a protege for one-on-one interactions. And then we offer workshops throughout the course of the year, either virtually or in person around our annual meetings to help address some of the skills that they might need, some different tools that are important. We have executive business coaches and other leaders in this field that can help to give them the skills that they need in order to succeed. And as the program has gone through different phases, for instance, when we were in COVID, we realized that a lot of people felt very isolated in their careers and in their everyday lives. And so we put together a program where people could connect virtually and get some of this content online, but mostly to be networking with their friends and their colleagues and be able to keep in touch with people around the country while they were having to isolate in their own areas. We also put together an excellent website, which has tons of resources on it. We put together speakers bureau so that we had women list what their areas of expertise are so that they have the ability to be tapped for national talks. So we've really expanded it over the last four years, and it's become a really outstanding program for networking and for learning. That's so great, Nina. There's so many things I want to unpack there. I want to come back to the first concept you mentioned about advisors. And I've been asked a few times about why this term advisors. It's a unique term, isn't it? Just a mentor. But you make that very important distinction between mentoring versus coaching versus sponsorship. We've had one workshop and that's what we invested our time in as well, explaining to people um, the differences. Have, Have you been an advisor or maybe Larry, have you been an advisor and how do you find navigating those three roles? Yeah, I think one of the unique aspects of the program is that we aren't advising or mentoring colleagues in our own program, right? You're building a relationship with somebody primarily online or over the phone that are in other places in the country. And so that lends itself to, I I think, two things. One, the protege has to really take initiative. It's really incumbent upon them to maintain contact. Because if they don't, I'm not going to see them walking around the hall and and apply that kind of social pressure that goes with either a a, a trainee and and a faculty member or a junior faculty and a senior faculty member where you're you're seeing each other on a daily basis and sometimes easier, sometimes more pressure, sometimes less pressure, sometimes more pressure in in, in that face-to-face. Here, there's some distance, and I think that plays into the relationship between the advisor and the, and the protege. I also, on some level, it also broadens the relationship, at least my experience. Mm-hmm. I've advised the three or four different Lully participants and each one forming a very different relationship. Some of them have been, you know, I've, I've had protégés who've wanted to discuss more personal mm-hmm. issues. I've had protégés who've been all business. 
in the mix in between as well. So I think it's been a unique experience compared to mentoring folks at home. So in that traditional institutional model. Yeah, the process at home is like very directed. Hey, you've, yes. you've got to promote and you've got to take on these responsibilities within the department. And sponsorship is easier, right? Because I might have a grand rounds that I want you to do. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, it's really, I think, a broader experience, or at least the potential for a broader experience with, with the protégés. Yeah. And you came into Welly already having had a background in mentoring. But I can imagine some people out there might be saying, I'd like to be an advisor. I think I'd be okay, but I might not necessarily have those skills. It's a bit of a leading question. Is Welly yeah. also there to help you develop those skills? Yes. The, particularly the workshops that occur at the meetings are for both advisor and protege. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those participants benefit from the, the learning that goes on because they're at the end of the day, it's really a communication exercise, Indeed. right? It's yeah. about identifying goals and, and, and not as an advisor, it's not my goals, right? Yeah. It's learning how yeah. to help other people find their goals. And that's really just a communication exercise. And I always felt that a lot of the workshops really at the end of the day, from my perspective, was really what it was about. Yeah. And I wanted to come back to that and, men- and maybe I'll ask you, Nina, but you mentioned it's about the protege identifying and pursuing her career goals. And it's something we can say in a sentence, but having worked with other women in, in trying to do that, it's not just a one sentence exercise, is it? You also get outside facilitators, people from outside of medicine yeah. coming in to deliver some of the content. Do you find that there's been a bit of a difference in terms of how they approach our working lives? <laughs> Absolutely. People in medicine are really not trained about, <laughs> about a lot of this, right? You just, you watch what the people before you did and the good and the bad behavior and you mimic it. And these executive coaches come in and a lot of times in medicine, they're like, what are you guys doing? And that would never fly in the business world. And you're like, yeah, you're right. But they've been an unbelievable resource for especially for the proteges, I think we, we've had talks or workshops on how to say no, how to prioritize what is really important and is going to help you in your career and what is just busy work that unfortunately a lot of women get piled on them that really doesn't benefit them personally. Yeah, right, Larry? Every single one of my proteges talks about this and we talk yeah. about, is this really what you want to be doing right now? Yeah. Right. Because women are really good at stepping up and filling in the gaps. And mm. a lot of times that's not necessarily going to benefit them. And so these executive coaches are like, know your self-worth. Yes. Know what's going to help you. Exactly. And know what's going to hurt you. And, and it's really impressive. And it's really helpful to see a different perspective. Yeah. And only you can do that work and define those things for you. And that takes work and absolutely and someone to guide you through that work. It's deep. It's reflective kind of work. From my perspective, again, as a man, as a male physician, Mm -hmm. there were there were things that I had never thought about. A lot of the questions or concerns that some of my protégés have were things that I had not either experienced or mm. even thought about. I happen to have my, my wife, Evelyn, is my coach with some of this. 
Um, yeah, she true. has had a lot of experience in her past dealing with some of the issues that my protégés had dealt with. So uh, it sounds like you've learned a lot from this process as well. Yeah, it's it's been fairly eye-opening. And when I was I, I served as director of education, it was eye-opening to me because there were issues within my program that I was seeing for the first time really through a clear eye and, and had to deal with as well. Wow, interesting. I'd love to pick your brains more about that. But oh. Nina mentioned it started off with mentoring and then the advisor-protege dyads being formed and it's grown to so much more in terms of networking opportunities and speaker databases. So I just wanted to unpack some of the other activities that are going on. One of the things I think that uh, a lot of the protégés enjoy are the networking talks, so these smaller sessions that are online which does give them the opportunity to meet people. I think a number of protégés will, will report that they've had opportunities to give talks and to do visiting professorships and those kind of things through the networking that they've obtained uh, yeah. through some of these smaller sessions. Great. And these were just, as the program moved along, different ideas that, that people had that popped up and pretty easy to enact. I think it speaks to that issue of women don't have those same networking opportunities like men might have had in, not so much now, but, or maybe they still have. We don't go to the golf course uh, in Australia. We don't see each other in the frequent fire lounges. These informal opportunities to just catch up and get to know people a bit better. I agree with you. I think that one of the biggest portions of Welly is the ability to network and to meet other people. And I want to emphasize that the men in this program that have been helping with the advising have been really key because it's very helpful, I think, for them to see some of the challenges that women face, as Larry said earlier, that he would have never even thought of. And so they are really helping to get people in their own institutions to realize, oh, women have faced a lot of these issues in the past and we need to change that whole narrative. So that has been unbelievably important. And The other important thing about Welly is that we really do try to make sure that the person that it is advising them is not in their home institution so that they have the opportunities to be seen outside of their institution and have a different perspective on things. We've talked a bit about how the advisors develop and are supported in their development by Welly. Have you got any comments about how some of the protégés have developed by being involved in the program? Well, I think that we have been really successful. So there are certain things that you would look at as success, and you could look at people being promoted and stuff like that from an academic standpoint. And I think that is unbelievably important. And we've definitely seen a number of our members achieve higher academic promotion. But that's also a very long process. We've been in place for going close to five years and expecting everyone to be immediately promoted is not really reasonable. But when we look at other areas of success, the ability to start projects with individuals within their chosen field of expertise to complete projects that they had started and were having difficulty and needed some advising on how to go about achieving that. Getting recognized with talks, the ability to write papers, giving them the skills to do all of these different things. 
it's really been amazing to see when we've at so we the big part of Welly is asking how successful is this and what else do you need and when we survey our members we get a ton of feedback about how it's helped them with different skill growth the ability to be more known nationally to be recognized within their own institutions they've taken on different leadership roles and so it's really it's been so gratifying to see that it's it has been successful Great to hear. I really like the sound of that speakers bureau. I think there's often a lot of people who you just need to ask them and they're absolutely prepared and competent, skilled and knowledgeable to to give a talk. It's just that often the people who are organizing the conferences just don't know who these people are. To giving them visibility, I think is a fantastic opportunity. Absolutely. And the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia has really tried to make an effort to get new people on the stage, too. And you do always want to hear from the experts, and I'm not discounting that at all. But there are some really young, vibrant, outstanding speakers out there that are going to be the next generation of leaders and experts. And so getting them on the stage early and getting them those skills and that, that confidence to do it is really important, too. Oh, absolutely. We've talked about so many good things about Welly. Can you think about a particular benefit or highlight that you'd like to share about your time in Welly so far? I'll start with you, Larry. Okay. From on a personal level, like I said before, it's brought me concretely in touch with some of the issues that, that women are facing, particularly professionally, and being able to incorporate those ideas into my own practices and my own leadership responsibilities, I think for me has been beneficial. And my protégés have done very well. They were all very easy to, to, to mentor. They, they were motivated. They were accomplished. They were talented. Uh, when you have, makes me look good, but I take you know, zero credit They've all promoted. I take zero credit for any of them promoting. They really have done all I the work. I suspect it was a two-way street. Well, <laughs> yes. but, but the parts that I do take pride in is I, I think I've been helpful in shifting the way they think, but just giving them, we, we talk a lot about self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether, that was, whether that's a theme or whether mm-hmm. I just happened to stumble across very talented people who needed the confidence or the reassurance that it's okay to say, I need this, or I don't want to do that. These were the themes They continue to be the themes with the folks that I'm working with. Interesting. Yeah. And that was one of the things that like, it never not dawned on me. If I want something, I would walk into my chair's office and say, I want this. If somebody asked me to do something that I didn't want to do, I'd say, "Mm, no, can't do it. And it never entered my mind. And to hear some of the relationship aspects that some of these women would have with their chairs or their direct Mm. supervisors Mm. that had these undertones of certainly gender-related issues, clearly something that I did not have to deal with in my career. And I think it's interesting. Again, my my wife, Evelyn, she's a lawyer, RC in New York, Park Avenue, the whole thing, right? And then decided to stay home with our kids. And so even on a kind of balancing home and work was something I never had. For all the, 
a very progressive life, but chose a very, for better lack of a better word, traditional path in terms of how we divide our house up. And that, there were things there that, and, and I recognized I didn't have to worry about. I never had to worry about other kids sick. Never had to worry about, oh, my spouse is going out of town for their job. And I haven't worked with any woman with children or a family that hasn't had to worry yeah. about those things. So for me, there was a lot of growth there, a lot of eye-opening stuff. But I hope me, I hope made me more sensitive and act on those. Yeah. Uh, you know. It sounds like growth, not just towards your protégés, but also things you've been able to take into your workplace and then also into your personal, your home life as well. Uh, you know, far-reaching benefits. What about you, Nina? What do you think of, if you could pinpoint a highlight from your time so far? For me personally, it has been seeing how a kernel of an idea that a couple people started thinking about grew into a program that now has, between the advisors and the protégés, about 90 individuals. And just how much it's barely become like a family too. People have come and gone as they've achieved what they've wanted to achieve and feel that they may don't need the program so much. But the friendships that have grown out of the program and the working relationships that have grown out of the program have really lasted. And I cannot say enough good things. And also, honestly, the support of really everyone. When we approached chairs about do you want to nominate somebody to join Welly? We had a couple people that were like, nah, we don't need that program. We got it. But I would say 98% of the people that we approached were not only willing to support it, but were enthusiastic about it. And I just thought right. it said a ton of stuff about how, even though this was an issue and stuff, these people were willing to recognize it and work towards making it better. And so that was so encouraging to me that we pretty quickly received a lot of support and were embraced and really were able to make it continue. You've probably heard of the growth mindset, and I suppose it's really reassuring when you find out that many of your peers actually have a growth mindset too, and that's really reassuring for the specialty. Yeah, absolutely. What about moving on to some of the challenges? What do you think, Nina? have been some of the biggest challenges in getting Welly off the ground? Yeah, you know, there definitely are, but it's not always perfect. One thing we've really found, and this speaks to the challenge of doing it all kind of thing, is that we want to do all this programming and stuff, but it's you're busy in your daily life at work, and so we try to put programming when it's not going to interfere with your life, and then we found actually we're real interfering with people's home lives, and so trying to find that happy balance of offering this content but not in, impinging on their ability to spend time with their families or to do their hobbies outside of work is that's actually been tough. We're still trying to figure that out at one point. Mm especially during the online times of the pandemic, we were trying to offer programming on weekends and people were like, this is actually the one time where I get to go to my kid's soccer game. And so can you pick a different time? And 
you just realize there's no good time. Yeah. So we basically ended up that we offer the programming at all different times and people can come and go into it as they want. And we always yeah. encourage, you know, please don't dress up. If your kid comes online and is playing in the background, more power to them. We realize that you've got lives and we want to make this work for you. So that's been tough, I think, for a lot of people to make it fit into their busy lives. Yeah. And programming has changed a lot, I think, over the last few years because of the impact of the pandemic. People's expectations about what we can and can't do in hours and what in hours means nowadays. Yeah. What about you, Larry? What have you found challenging? Yeah, I think, again, going back to this unique aspect, I think having, I've had protégés who have just disappeared. Um, and you, I, I will reach out periodically to say, hey, you know, you still on the program? Do you want to talk? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the virtual nature of most of the conversations, I think both lends itself to an openness because there's no pressure, like nobody owes, they mm-hmm. don't have to feel like they owe me anything because I'm their su- supervisor or senior faculty member uh, yeah. that's, that's been appointed to them by their employee. But at the same time, it makes sometimes challenging to maintain some regularity with the conversations. If they don't want to talk, I'm not going to force, I can't force them, right? Yeah. It's that commitment thing, isn't it? So that's that's been challenging. And I think there were a lot of, probably was a couple of years now, we entered some conversations about next steps for Welly. And mm-hmm. I think some great ideas came around. But with those ideas, everyone realized that's going to be a lot of work. Yes. Who's got the time to, to do this yeah, um, yeah. right now? And that was a little frustrating because I thought there were really were some kind of really big ideas that were, were being floated around. And, but maybe they'll come around again. I'm hoping one of those ideas was world domination. That's my kind of uh, world domination. Absolutely. joke in the background whenever I talk about yeah. projects, but we're very excited that we're launching the Australian yeah. New Zealand chapter of Welly. So, yeah. so I'm hoping that is contributing <laughs> to yeah. some of those bigger goals. <laughs> Look, it's been great chatting with you this morning. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed or anything that you wanted to mention I just wanted to thank you. I really appreciate you having us on and allowing us to talk about the program. And we're, we're proud of it. And we want this to really benefit as many people as possible. And we're always open to any inquiries or questions about it. And I think that this is a great format to be able to help women in all different specialties and in all areas of medicine. And so I think I want to thank you for having us on. Oh, thanks, Nina. Thanks for those kind words. I I could spend a lot more time talking about (laughs) Welly with you. And I do. I look forward to ongoing further conversation and and hope that we can do this again. What about you, Larry? Yeah, it's interesting. Again, from my perspective, I think it's, you know, so much of the advice that I've been giving is, oh, no, you don't have to take that. Right. Uh, Go in and, and, and advocate for yourself. And then, you know, Nina, I think you were talking about how women tend to be more willing and to, to step up and take on jobs or responsibilities that don't come with the reward. And what, what we've been doing, I think, is mentoring women to get through the obstacles that are presented in a, quote, man's world, 
right? How to beat the system, how to beat. And I think really the next goal and, and hopefully it evolves because everybody, like Nina said, everybody was more than willing to be involved in this. Everyone recognizes the problem. But I think the next step is not teaching or mentoring, coaching women through the system, but the system has to change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't that women are accepting being, quote, dumped on, for example. It's that women are being dumped on. Exactly. The system has to change. So that kind of work, which may or may not need to get done, is evenly distributed Absolutely. Yeah. And that the work that comes with reward is also distributed appropriately. Yeah. And so when we're not when we're not thinking about this, when we, we've changed the system so that women don't have to fight through the system to achieve, that's when I think the real accomplishments will come. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's not about fixing women, it's about fixing the system and Correct. absolutely a really important first step is having men as allies in this, and I can see that you truly have been and still will be an ally. So thank you for that, Larry. Look, thank you, both of you. It's been fabulous. It hasn't been long enough. I could discuss Uh this for much longer with both of you, with either of you. I look forward to further conversation. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Larry, for getting up at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Thank you, Nina, as I said, being the founder and getting it all off the ground and letting us continue the good work here in Australia and New Zealand. Well, I hope you found listening to Professor Deutsch and Associate Professor Schwartz as inspiring as I find them. And wow, doesn't Welly sound like a great program? That's certainly what I thought when I first heard of Welly at a conference. So I am super excited to let you know that we have launched a chapter of Welly here in Australia and New Zealand and that you too can become involved. To be an advisor, you need to be an established leader who is willing to mentor and coach a protege. Men, you are more than welcome to join and I invite you to express your interest. To be a protege, you need to basically not be a man. We are encouraging women, transgender, non-binary, etc. people to express interest. You do need to have completed specialist training in anesthesia or pain medicine, and you do need to be based in Australia or New Zealand. You also need to be a member of the Australian Society of Anesthetists, SPANSA or the College, as these are the three parent organisations overseeing our local chapter of Welly. If you are interested in learning more, please visit our website where you can also express interest in joining Welly via an online form. Of course, I'll put a link to these in the show notes. We've also been making a mark at the major conferences of the ASA, SPANSA and ANSCA with networking sessions, workshops and scientific sessions. I've really enjoyed being able to share some of my insights on leadership and I hope I see you at one of these sessions in the future. Until then, I hope you're staying safe and well out there. Thank you for listening to the Australian Anesthesia Podcast, which can be found on all the major podcast hosting platforms, as well as YouTube. This podcast is produced by the Australian Society of Anesthetists and hosted by Dr. Susie New with music created by Dr. Mark Seuss. The ASA was formed in 1934, and our vision is for every anaesthetist in Australia to be at their best, providing the highest quality anaesthesia and perioperative care through excellent technical and non-technical skills. 
We also hope that this means that you are functioning at your best when you're away from work. In this podcast, we have conversations that seek to inform, challenge, and inspire you to keep you performing at your best. Members of the ASA can access full versions of all episodes by logging into the ASA website at asa.org.au. If you are listening on your favorite podcast app, then make sure you look at the episode notes for the direct link to the podcast on the ASA website. Also, feel free to follow or subscribe so that you can receive the latest episodes as we do publish regularly. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to email us on podcast at asa.org.au. Thank you for your time and we hope you enjoyed listening.